Do you need your weekly comedy fix? Relax while we visit the sitcoms you love, the jokes you remember, the characters you will never forget, and the stars that bring them to you. Sit back, it's the laugh track with Jerry Strauss. Hi, I'm so glad to see you. I'm glad to see you too. You know, I, hey, last time we did this, we did this a long time ago, and we didn't have the. I know you, you can't even see my end of things but i'm showing the rest of the world were this video to be seen by anyone i've got kind of a studio thing going on here um hey. last time i think i was sitting in my car um when we connected so definitely an upgrade <laughs> the upgrade. car studio is a really effective studio the acoustics were were you can't beat them but uh <laughs> you're next to your shower probably yes. that's a pretty good <laughs> <laughs> exactly so 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 how are you i mean it's so great to see you again and have you back on the show again um and you know it's a weird exciting time because there's a part of your career of course we're talking about friends that all of a sudden is like the thing that everyone's talking about again like is this something that has kind of affected your day-to-day -day lately recently yes there's been a lot of uh outpouring of love from all sorts of people because of the friends reunion and then a bit of confusion because of the friends reunion and mm. um, you know, all of that. And um, it's, it's been a very emotional time. It's been yeah. a very emotional time, but I think it probably be part of that is, and for me at least isn't due in part to it, heralding back to the sweeter simpler days when we could hang out with our friends who were more like our family or or hug one another so it's been a very very emotional last couple, a couple of weeks for sure yeah yeah definitely yeah. and um it, it feels and you know i'm not sure how the temperature is regionally and I know that this is going to put a timestamp on this conversation, yeah. which is what I try not to do. But I mean, it's, you yeah. know, no, no, it's, it's, I mean, this is, this is life and we're all going through it. You know, mm -hmm. right now I'm in New Jersey, I'm on the East coast and things are feeling like we are sliding back toward normalcy. There's a lot of um, venues and uh, that have opened up. There's uh, a lot of concert tours being announced for the summer. And this seems like the turning point of let's try to make that big push back to normalcy. Is that something that you've experienced also? Yes. When I got off the airplane in Los Angeles before the friends reunion pre-party, um, mm. I began crying. <laughs> I began crying walking through the airport, crying into my mask, really grateful for a mask and dark glasses as I'm as I'm crying all the way down because it felt almost normal, and I, ju I just I hit the ground and I could feel the air on my skin like this is almost normal, mm. and I got to take my mask off and take big sobbing breaths and <laughs> and just so grateful to be somewhat back because I haven't been able to travel the way that I normally would be able to travel and I haven't been able to see my family and it was the first time that I saw my son unmasked for a year and a half I still haven't seen my my baby girl and all that time so yeah it's it feels like the world is becoming a little more normal again and so i think we're all 
putting our toes into the into the waters again and yeah. praying that we're all going to be safe and healthy and whole and can laugh again like the way that we used to. It all yeah. seems very precious down, doesn't it? It, it? it really does. It's It really has, I think, kind of reinvigorated all of our feeling about the priorities in life and really just kind of noticing what's around us and what we've had and what we haven't had. And yeah. um, I just hope it lasts for a while because it's going to fade <laughs> and we're going to get spoiled again. But yeah, hopefully- you know, do you think, you know, I, I think about the way that the depression had made our parents, I, I don't know how old your parents are, but my, my you know, my mom is still like, um, I wouldn't say hoarding, but when something good comes in, she wants to hold on to it and then and then regift it quickly. It's uh, it there's a there's going to be some kind of fallout, and I pray that the fallout is that we treat each other with more respect and compassion because so many people have been going through so much, and we're longing for more laughter and community. So thank you for for creating your beautiful laugh cast. <laughs> thank you for thank you for being a part of it and and i want to right off the bat thank the i don't know billions of people um between you and i whom we have heard from since we announced that you were coming back on the show the whole idea um was let's reach out to the listeners of the show let's, let's reach out to your fans and um send us your questions we want you guys to be the host of the show. We want you guys to um, kind of dictate what we're going to talk about and the questions that that we'd like you to to tackle here. So uh, this makes my job very easy, but uh, <laughs> we've got a wide variety of stuff to talk about here. And, you know, this isn't something that I was specifically going to ask. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, but it was mentioned in a lot of, different tweets and emails, et cetera, that I received since you brought it up. Um, you talked about the friends reunion. It's something on the minds of many of your fans. Um, <laughs> you know, there was some kickback that I saw certainly negatively, you know, why wasn't Jane a big part of that reunion? You know, why shouldn't she have been a big part of that friends reunion? Uh, what was your, um, any discussions about the reunion, your involvement with the reunion. You said that you were at a uh, sort of the pre-show party for it. Um, how did that go for not your, not just yourself, but so many people in the friends universe who I, I think people are probably saying the same thing about. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm touched that people wanted to know. And then I started to get some kickback um, from people, just even through Instagram, I have a humble following there. I don't have the millions that my friends have, but I was so I'm so humble in there and starting to kick back from the LGBTQ community. Like, why weren't you representing us? It's Pride Month of all the times for you mm. to be there. Why weren't you there? And I think, and I and I, I was startled and touched and. It makes me cry a little bit um, because the truth is, despite what um, the fabulously talented director and executive producer of the of the show had reported, um, the truth is I'm on camera. <laughs> Someone's walking in. Super creepy. Super Thank creepy. You. Just. <laughs> <laughs> walking through the screen I'm on camera and I'm being recorded I'm live that was uh, about to be an emotional revelation 
<laughs> it's perfect. Perfect. A little levity in it. Sure. But the truth is, um, he had said that, that of course, you know, there's with the time constraints of an hour and 45 minutes um, that they had reached out to so many of the co-stars and so many co-stars and they couldn't make it work out with their schedule and their bubbles and all of this kind of stuff. Um, but truth, I wasn't invited and Jess wasn't invited. And there were many that weren't invited, I'm sure, unless they invited everybody but the two of us. Yeah. So so I believe that it was a creative decision um, who they would want. And I love who they chose. I love that Maggie was there. I love that Elliot Gould and and Ms. Pickles were, were there. I just yeah. love these, the, the wonderful ones that were able to be a part of it. But we simply weren't invited. And for whatever reason, and maybe it's because they just wanted to keep it all um, levity and light. And our characters have, you know lived on in a different way for a lot of people around the world in a way that's been profoundly moving for Jess and myself. Mm. Um, they have, it's really made a difference to a lot of people and their ability to come out to their families or their ability to, um, you know, just be brave in their love. Um, it's opened up conversations for people. And so it would be hard to talk about our, our, our role without there being an edge of, wow, what well, we've just come out of, you know, uh, this climate of, of the world and how things have not progressed nearly as quickly as we thought they would. Not that we thought we'd change the whole world with our wedding episode, but at least we thought we'd be a lot further down than we are right now. So perhaps that was all a creative decision. I had, um, I, I had the joy of, um, renewing my friendship with Marta Kaufman. And after the reunion, she reached out and she said it was beautiful. It was really, really touching. Um, and that, that wasn't her choice to make for this, um, for this. So, um, I, so I don't, I simply don't know why we weren't invited. We just weren't. And had we been invited, we would have been honored. We would have just sat and cheered them on. So instead we just cheered. Well, I cheered them on from my friend's couch with my son beside me, just as shooting in Nova Scotia. So, um, she didn't have a chance to see it, but, um, we certainly have talked about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, and, and look, I mean, like I said, I mean, the thing is that in the end, it's a less than two hour special that's supposed to encapsulate nearly a decade of this great show with a lot of significant memorable moments. You guys, of course, you know, yourself and Jess were such a huge part of that. Um, but it's impossible to cover everything in, in that. But I think that maybe, you know, once the buzz of the friends reunion goes by, I think people go back to kind of just remembering the whole body of work and yeah. the significance of, of all the players, certainly you guys. And, you know, it's not really so much about who appears on a, on a two hour HBO max special. It's sort of about how we remember these moments and people like yourself over time. Yes. And, and for me watching it, I was so moved. I cried through the whole thing and because of the sweet memories and the beautiful, beautiful cast, the way they came together, always, always, with everybody in the in the creative rooms, all the writers and the designers, all of that, they 
it was such a sweet, sweet time in, in all of our lives. And goodness, I was only there for 15 episodes of mm. all of that big old run. It just seems a little bit more because of reruns, but um, it still is to this date, the highest benchmark of my acting career because of the camaraderie and the, the absolute dedication to making it the best it could be for everyone involved, not just one person, not just two stars or six stars. It was for everyone. And that was just the greatest honor of my life. And I will forever be indebted to um, the whole universe and, but for <laughs> Marta and David and Kevin and NBC and Warner brothers for allowing me to be a part. Gotcha. I mean, it's, that's wonderful. You see, we got our emotional revelation. See, we got <laughs> Even that. with the creeper and the coming through the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I don't even know where to begin because I got so many questions through the show's social media. Thanks to everyone. Again, you got so many questions <laughs> from your own outlets as well. I'm just going to hit you with some random questions okay. and we All can right. go rapid fire. You can uh, slow down yeah. and, okay. and deep dive, whatever you want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Some of these made me laugh so much. Um, <laughs> I could use that. <laughs> uh, I can't find it, but we'll get to it. And, you know, I don't know about your experience, uh, but I found it interesting. I think it speaks to yourself, your popularity, and the show. I mean, my questions were literally from all over the world. There were certain questions where I had to translate, use Google Translate just to kind of figure out what they were. <laughs> Asking. I it's mean, so wild, isn't it? Isn't it to the phenomena that it's all over the world? It's I, just remarkable to me wherever I go. Yeah. You know? Um, here, here's one that was, you know, I don't know where it was from, but it was entirely in Spanish. So, um, <clears throat> pardon the translation again. What did you think? that a kiss was not recorded between her and Susan at the wedding because of the problems it could cause among the conservative public. Um, what they're asking is, you know, there was yeah. kind of a holding back of a kiss for that wedding episode. Um, that's something that you've talked about before. I think we talked about it before on the show. Um, did you think that, <clears throat> how did you feel about that? I guess would be the question. You know, it's inter it's interesting because we have talked about it. I know that Jess and I were disappointed that we didn't get a kiss in the day, in the moment. Yeah. We didn't get to that part of the wedding, remember? It was, now I've seen everything, you know, yeah. and that was the out. We were the B storyline in the one with the lesbian wedding. Mm -hmm. So... It, you know, we went out on on a joke rather than on the sweet part, and which is what you do in a comedy. So, um, I, I, of course, I would have loved to have had the kiss. It's you know, because it, it, it's very sweet. But again, we were already up against such um, wild, you know, censorship just even by two affiliates. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know what that would have done. Maybe it was an easier entry into the conversation that we didn't continue to have, but at least we started. Yeah. We we did continue to have it, but not necessarily as characters about the controversy of of us being um the first lesbian wedding on television. Uh yeah. I I was disappointed. Jess yeah. was disappointed, but we never it wasn't that we advocated and they said, No, 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 we can't do that. We didn't that didn't come up because it, we didn't get that far, you know, in the wedding. So, you know, it, it almost feels like 
you know, you could critique it and say, oh, you know, they played it safe. They went conservative. But I think if you look at it the other way, just doing that episode at all at that time, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> what year was that at that point? That was I mean, 1993. Wow. And yeah. And um, Kenneth Gingrich, Newt Gingrich's lesbian sister who um, was part of the human rights organization. I don't remember if she was the head of it at that point, but she was our officiant. So we had a l extra eyes on that politically as well, which I thought mm. was really beautiful. Um, yeah, it was, it was such an interesting time because gearing up for it, we just, you know, Jess and I we live on the coast where people are, are a lot more liberal and not only more liberal, but open-hearted in the um, in the aspect of love is love. And so we didn't even think for a moment that that would be any great big thing. And there it was, it was. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I had a little bit of, well, I certainly was still in mommy's swirl. I was still in mommy, brand new mommy world. So I wasn't thinking too much about the political aspects until all that stuff started happening. And then we began doing the, you know, the, the talk show circuits and things like that to talk about it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It was a thing. <laughs> it was a thing. And you know what? It kind of has become a thing again, hasn't it? It sure has. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And I, I really, really pray that we really get down to that. You know, I think you and I talked about how even back then coming from a Christian background and I had a woman that said I was going to burn in hell for, for yes. playing this part. And I thought, wow, really? Where, where do you see this in your translation? So, you know, I think you and I talked about that, that I had gone through and I was um, really studying as best I could from this, um, this wonderful book uh, that a, a great um, Episcopal priest had written just about what the Bible really says about homosexuality. And it was, it was a fascinating discourse and about the mistranslations. And I, <laughs> you know what's so funny about this is I'm thinking about this now that we didn't have this context back then. And I've been mm -hmm. going through a little bit of this recently, and I'll, I'll go on to tell you why. But um, the fake news went all the way back to like the Bible, you know, it was the mistranslations of what those words actually meant. That was fake news way back, you know, <laughs> thousands, 2000 years ago. You know, just, I mean, really think about it. So um, here we are again. Here we are again. And I had just gone through the same thing. I had given an interview recently with um, uh, a news outlet that I don't like to give their name anymore. I won't. I will I'll do my very best not to um, get my poke my nose into their world. And again, because it doesn't matter what I say, they will even in print add adjectives or um, draw conclusions that are absolutely false or divisive. So. Right. Again, I am so tired of this divisiveness. I, I, I actually posted today on Instagram that after I do this, I'm going to take a nice long rest from press because <laughs> I feel so burned and burned out by people trying to create controversy where there is none. I mean, everybody in the cast loves one another. I love everybody. Mm. I would never diss anybody. I wouldn't, you know, I would, it's just, it was such a, a hard thing to see and, you know, so going back to what our characters meant, love is love. So if for those who are, 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 are practicing a faith that doesn't remember that part, I really hope that they can continue to reach into their heart and, and be a little bit more like the real true teachers. Love is love. There you go. So, 
There you go. Um, you know, along <laughs> kind of along the same lines, I thought this was interesting. Carol and Susan, such an interesting and vital part in the early seasons. And I loved especially Jane's episode with David Schwimmer on the Valentine's Day in season one. It was heartfelt when they kissed. How does Jane feel that Carol and, so- and Susan's storyline ended in season seven, basically happened off screen? Um <laughs> I mean, it's kind of two questions in one, yeah. but I, I do want to bring up the part about, you know, the scene with you and David and sort of that kind of gray area of, you know, changing the course of your life, but then still that connection that the two characters that, that Carol and Ross still had and still felt for each other. I feel like that's something that back then even then was pretty progressive just to just to at least show some sort of a, you know, not so black and white type of situation where there could still be, uh, you know, the love, the, uh, the affection, the, Hmm. you know, on some level, the attraction between the two, it doesn't just go away because you decided to, you know, go in a different direction in life. Um, was that something that occurred to you back then that, you know, kind of reconnecting even for that moment with Ross was like a thing that, that was kind of cool to show. Yeah. I still get tears. I might have tears in my eyes thinking about it. Um, and I, you know, I, I was definitely under a lot of hormones because I had just delivered my baby <laughs> just a, a week or two before. And it was, it was interesting because it, Marta had just told me that 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 was that episode that they decided to keep me on. I was only supposed to be there for two weeks, two episodes. Oh. That character was just a boop, boop, go away. Um, but because of that scene, they decided to bring us back, which was lovely. And I, when I when I came on my first day, and knowing that Anita had, I thought that that she just wasn't working out. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know anything of the story. I just knew that I wanted to go in there and ask them since I hadn't auditioned for it. How do you want me to play this character? And he said, "Well, how would you like to play it?" And I said, "I want to play it for love." He said, and that was David Crane. He said, "Please do." Mm-hmm. And so when we got to the one with the candy hearts, the Valentine's episode and David and his just consummate talent and his beautiful um, hang dog, I'm in love. I mean, and uh, Oh, the gosh, the truth of his acting is what made that comedy so great. And why it was also so touching for his relationship with Rachel, his, his character's relationship with Rachel. Yeah. So, when he, you know, he handed me this line. So, you know, we were, you know, that we were good together. It really was a moment that just rose from my heart where he needed to, I mean, I, I felt his love. I felt it bounce against my heart and go back out. And that's when you're just so you're in, in the presence of not only great talent, but really good writing. And so altogether, it was just a really lovely moment to play that just because you have, um, you know, fall in love with somebody else doesn't negate what you had. And there was a baby inside of me. And so there was, not in reality at that point, but there was inside of this character. And so all of that just made something really precious and juicy. So I'm glad that you responded to it. And thank you. Thank you for, for saying that. I really, I really loved that episode. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was a popular opinion. (laughs) uh, Well, there's a two part to that. What was the the two? The first part Um, was about how was it to play? Because it was just so tender and so moving for me. Yeah. And then they followed up. This is kind of a a totally separate question, but uh, they basically insinuated, and I don't remember the exact timeline that Carol and Susan's storyline ended in season seven. Is that what you would? uh, Yes, it was over in season seven because I only have through seven, the seventh season DVDs. Okay. That's, awesome. <laughs> That's how I know. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. That's it made it really easy for me to figure out the dates. So my son was born. Let's see, I started work two days after he was born, so I know exactly <laughs> when I started work. <laughs> I just I just picture you them they sent you the whole set, but you just picked the last couple of seasons and right in the trash no. <laughs> i don't need those no 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 i just had the seven and that yeah. was that so, um. <laughs> i mean i mean i think this is something we see a lot in sitcoms that last a long time mm-hmm. where certain elements of their lives or certain people um kind of drop off and it's just sort of a creative choice for whatever yeah. reason that somehow the focus was no longer on you know, yourself being part of the picture to, to the need where Carol needed to be a visible part of the storylines anymore. Yeah, maybe, or, or maybe I just said something wrong in the second because <laughs> I, because when I came back in season seven, I had just delivered Violet and I was again in some hormonal wash of, mm. you just can't trust what's coming out of my mouth. And I, you know, truth be told, I don't think I was particularly funny on that show. I was surrounded by the funny um, because I was, always nursing a baby it just doesn't good it is not you know, nursing or pregnant it's not really funny to be in that stage truth be told so maybe maybe i just wasn't funny um i, I you know you have to <laughs> the, it's the imposter syndrome pregnant mm-hmm. <laughs> imposter I, syndrome I, nursing you know it's like i'm not really funny everyone else is funny i'm not so funny oh stop but, it stop <laughs> it stop this feels like but, a this feels like a therapy, therapy session now. We need to, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but truly, I didn't, you know, I just was, look, past that second episode, everything was gravy. What a gift that that show has given to me. I mean, so many parts have come from, this is given to me because of my part on Friends. What a generous thing, you know, to be given work that you love because you're a part of something or not no longer a part of something. So I have no complaints whatsoever. I'm just super grateful. I, awesome. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Season 10 all would be great, but I haven't watched season 10. How was it? <laughs> it was pretty good. Pretty good. A few people watched it, I think. <laughs> I think I a think few billion people. You're going to catch it. on. I've got to catch up to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I think they'll do well on this HBO Max thing. I think yeah, eventually I think people will find the show, you know? Think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the next, you know, two generations that missed it the first time. And, you know, they'll do it. You know, I don't know if you heard what Violet had done to me, my baby, because I didn't let my kids watch the show. No. Did you know I hadn't let my kids watch the show? Uh, I don't I don't remember us talking were, about that. They were too young. And yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't think they were mature enough. But so, but of course, when my daughter Ruby was in high school, she, she snuck it and watched it. And, you know, at that mm. point she could, but we didn't really have TV, but her, her friends gave for, I guess she watched, she found my, she found my DVDs. But uh, there you Vi- go. Yeah. But Violet, uh, when the other two had gone off to college, Violet said, 
mom, I'm the last person on the planet to watch Friends. Please, can I watch it? Like, no, honey, you're not. You're not mature enough. I mean, not really, honey. She's and in her very wise way, she said, "Then why don't you sit down and watch it with me and explain it to me?" Ooh, she's so clever, that girl. And so I did, and we laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. I didn't have to haul out a single book to explain anything to her. She somehow already knew from the playground. But- oh, yeah, the streets, <laughs> the streets are talking about friends to this day. Yeah, it was good. Right? <laughs> it was good for us to watch that together because I really, you know, how it is. Um, sometimes I hadn't watched the show. Yeah. I can't wait. So you're saying that you've never seen the series finale of Friends? Um, Maybe I I don't What was it about? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, I saw it. I saw saw them walking out with the the twins. Okay. Um, But maybe I only saw the final clip. I don't know if I have seen the finale. I want to watch it in order, and I just haven't. I didn't. I haven't had a TV because I was in Hawaii and we were off grid. So that was part of it. Yeah. I know that's been a while. So it's time. Maybe now that it's on HBO Max, I can watch it too. There you go. There you go. You <laughs> could probably get the DVDs on eBay if you, <laughs> you just want to round out <laughs> the collection. <laughs> you may have to. You may have to try to find a dvd player at this point <laughs> exactly i know my computer doesn't even have a slot forward anymore yeah. at least i used to have that <laughs> well <laughs> you know in the, in the grand tradition of this show i'm going to take things entirely out of order now um, okay. because we okay. did get some questions you did i did about a show that uh people first uh, some people first met you on before friends which is herman's head okay um which people you know it always bears repeating, I think, because if you know the show, you love the show. There's hmm. still a lot of people who don't know the show. It was one of the first sitcoms on Fox. It's like, the second sitcom on Fox. The I think. Sec- after Married with Children. Yep, Is correct. That- mm-hmm. Wow. And we and the people that watched Herman's Head were the people that were too drunk to turn off Herman's Head. <laughs> <laughs> or Married with Children. That's what right. we always said. <laughs> yep, that's well, her- our audience is. At and, that point, that's what we used to joke about. Because of course, you have to be a self-facing actor. It was a, um, it was kind of an insane premise, but uh, it it was basically about a a young guy who worked in a at a newspaper, I believe, right? Uh, fact finding um, agency. Yeah. Okay. Fact finders. We were fact find. We were researchers and fact checkers. Okay. Okay. So it was about this guy named Herman trying to navigate life as a single guy. He's got his best friend. He's got his job. He's trying to uh, advance in his career. And as part of the show, we would regularly go inside his brain where four different people played four different aspects of his personality, I guess, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, from the sweetness to the selfishness, the lust, the lust, and the intellect. Um, we had intellect, in- sensitivity, we had, yeah, lust, and mm-hmm. then we had angel, which is uh, the compassionate side. Yeah. And they made a, they kind of made a movie based upon that. Did you? Oh, know? yes. Which was called Inside, Inside Out. Out. Yeah. Pixar movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Same premise, same thing. Um, and yeah, so you were not one of the, you were not in his side of Herman's brain. You were I, one of his coworkers. I was in his libido. I was in his real live libido. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I played Hetty. 
in her, mm-hmm. in Herman's head, and uh, yeah. and what a gas we had on that show. I'm getting myself using that that expression too because it was so much fun working with you know the the people that were in the brain, Kimmy mm-hmm. Campbell, Molly Hagan, Rick Lawless, and Peter McKenzie, who a lot of people know these days. Um, they were just brilliant improv actors. And then in the office, we had Yardley Smith and Hank Azaria who were who just kicking booty on Simpsons already. Mm. And then Jason Bernard. And then, of course, the brilliant William Ragsdale, Billy Ragsdale, uh, who was Herman. We we had a blast on that show. And, you know, to bring it around for full circle, I don't know if you remember that Jennifer Aniston played Herman's little sister. I did not remember that. That's yeah. crazy. And the funny thing was, because at the time I was – first engaged and then married to one of the executive producers that was brought on after the pilot. Mm. Um, I knew what they were saying in the, in the producer's booth, they were saying, can we get her hair out of her face? (laughs) (laughs) Even then it was about her hair. She was so talented. Like, but she's so funny. We just want to see more of her face. Cause it was all, doing this inside. Isn't that funny? After all that time. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. No, well, well, I mean, I mean, the first question we got, and I think this is a really good one, um, <clears throat> and it's especially interesting. You know, we talked a while back with uh, Molly Hagen, um, oh, I love and Molly. we talked about the mechanics of the show, which sounded very complicated, very insane. Um, basically, you watch the show, you're shifting back and forth between the office setting and inside Herman's brain, and they used to do that kind of in real time as much as possible, like in front of the studio audience. So it would be Mm -hmm. this, almost this play going on where all these different people were on different sets and had to kind of interact or time themselves to interact in real time. Um, What did you learn about just sort of the flow and the rhythm of being on a sitcom on Herman's head? Like, did that prepare you for what was to come? You know, I had gone from soap opera world to the famous Teddy Z with Hugh Wilson, like right after my, my, my Santa Barbara day. So when I went to Teddy Z, we were in the field of faster, funnier. And so that was the, the Hugh Wilson style of sitcom world with Johnny Cryer and Alex Rocco. And then when we went to, when I went to Herman's head, it was a way different rhythm. And um, for me, my, I just made this joke that they would tell me that I had to lean into the jokes like an old Jewish man, which I had no context for because I wasn't old, <laughs> I wasn't Jewish, and I wasn't a man. So I couldn't ever quite figure that out. But they like to hit those jokes a little harder in a different way. So this back and forth bit, uh, it was mostly a camera thing. And for the, like I said, the brain was this m- incredibly talented improv group all on their own. And then they would go work out with I don't think they were working out the groundings, but they, golly, I can't remember where they used to go work out back in, back in the day. Um, actually, cause that was, you know, 92, we were on that show. Um, so I remember the brain would, would do their rehearsals together and then we all would do our rehearsals together and, and, and then we would start mixing it up so that we could get our cues back and forth and they would, you know, run the cameras down this way and run the cameras here, but they were, um, it was it was a really fun show. I I loved that show. We had a blast. Yeah. I really did. I'm so grateful for my career. My goodness, I've been working with the most talented people. 
I still don't know how I got on these shows, but I'm really, really grateful. Well, the crazy thing about Herman's Head is it's it's really one of those jewels that, uh, you know, people who, again, watched it, there was sort of a cult following around it. Mm-hmm. But there's really nowhere to find it now. I don't no. think it's We made 72 anywhere. episodes and you have to have 75 for syndication. Mm. And <laughs> I don't know if this is true, but I did talk to one of the producers afterwards. Like, why the heck haven't we gotten? I and mean, there's shows that were on for just two seasons and they're syndicated. Sure. And they said that basically that with Thomas was richer than God and there was no reason. They had no reason whatsoever, no financial reason whatsoever to sell that show in syndication. Hmm. Like, but what about us? That would be really <laughs> That could be yeah. super handy. We're raising our families. That could be super duper handy because at that point, we weren't getting mega bucks because Fox was a brand new, um, brand new network. Yeah. Know, for our Christmas presents, while I guess uh, I remember, I think it was. Could Will and Grace have been on at that point? There was I feel I, like no. I but. feel like no, but there was a show, and I remember them getting boxsters for their Christmas present, and we got a can of popcorn. For our Christmas <laughs> presents, and as much as I liked having that tin of popcorn, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, I'd rather make my own air popper and and have a new car because <laughs> yes, I was a brand new, brand new. I was like driving my little Jetta, and I was really super happy. No, I it was just the disparity, and it's totally fine. I mean, obviously they. They, they completely deserve their boxers, but I just thought it was a really funny thing. And so it would be super, you know, if anybody from the old Whit Thomas days has the power to move us into syndication, mm. you know, we do are putting children through school. So it'd be super handy. <laughs> <laughs> the word is out now. Put it out into the universe. Put it out into this- the universe. Let's move this, all this, all this around so people could have some more comedy. No, it's not not money motivated. We just need more laughter in the world. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and and I think just just to kind of round this out about Herman's head, I think many people might be surprised who only know you from friends and maybe conversations like this. They might be surprised to know that you your character, Hetty, not the nicest of people. Um (laughs) so you were kind of playing certainly against your actual personality and against maybe the the personality of the character that people know you best for um <laughs> hetty was hetty, she was a, she was a nasty woman at times um, if i had no face i could do better than you was one of her <laughs> classic lines because she was so mean to every man who ever tried to pick up on her uh she was all about the about the money um so, yeah and, uh, the status but it is funny though because if in the earlier days, if you'd look at my bio or IMDb, something, you know, whoever, whatever writes those things, it says that she, Jane Sibbett is known for playing a bitch or playing the ice queen. And I had been like Clarice from It Takes Two was really mean. Mm-hmm. Um, my character in Au Pair, which was ripped off from Clarice from, <laughs> from It Takes Two was also, I played a lot of icy, cold, mean, bitchy blonde characters and then friends everything changed i began to play you know loving warm mom (laughs) okay guys quick time out here from this fantastic conversation i'm having a lot of fun but let's talk about something that is super important 
A great organization, No Kid Hungry, is a campaign that is helping kids remain fed each and every day, even when school is not in session. So take a listen to this message and get to know No Kid Hungry. Because of the coronavirus, schools have closed nationwide, and kids in need are missing nearly 34 million school meals every day. For many, it's the only healthy food they might get in a given day. No Kid Hungry has a plan to feed these kids, but they need your help. Donate now at NoKidHungry.org to help feed America's children during this crisis and in the months to come. That's NoKidHungry.org. Thanks. For the the fans of Herman's Head, where do you think Hetty would be today? (laughs) (laughs) She'd be some cougar probably out there. (laughs) Wait, did we leave off between with her and, and Herman together? I don't remember. Yeah. So the funny thing is, I remember that we we buffed the the boss's desk with our backside for sure. <laughs> I do remember that episode. And my and my my former husband wrote that episode. I'm like, how are you, are you sure? He's like, yeah, it was hot. <laughs> like, really? Okay. Um, you know, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you remember this better than I, because again, I was pregnant. I was pregnant a lot in those in those yeah, days. Really, it's like your superpower. <laughs> it was, it was whenever I got pregnant, I got a new series. It was awesome. <laughs> um, and then my manager used to say joke about that. But I remember that the last thing that I remember romantically on the show was that I was with Jay. Do you remember that? And Hank Azaria and I were. Like kissing under the desk. Oh and, my god, no! And I, it's, I, <laughs> and I remember it being a really nice kiss and thinking it's kind of a good idea that this isn't going on because that was a really nice kiss. Um, uh, it's just I and I can't even remember why or any. I can't remember anything else, but I just know that it was I was paid to kiss him. It was not a, a sneaky kiss from one actor to another. <laughs> Do you, you don't, it was a Just long a time ago. I, I don't, yeah, I don't remember how the show uh, finished off. So I, I don't either. Cause we were, we thought we were coming, we were getting picked up. Yeah. So, oh, so it was like a cliffhanger type of thing. Maybe, 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 maybe we ended on the, cl- the kiss with, with Hetty and Jay, Hank mm. Azaria's character. He was, so, gosh, every person on that show is so brilliant. Yeah. So brilliant. Yeah. It's, yeah. It'll it'll come back somewhere, some way it will surface. You think? I, I'm sure fun. there's ways to get it uh, on the sly somewhere online. It's got to be posted out there somewhere. There are little bits and pieces of it for yeah. sure. I've seen little bits and pieces on YouTube. Yeah, because someone had sent me the episodes of of the famous Teddy Z. Also, um, oh. I know the archives are out there, so someplace somebody has them. <laughs> Academy of Television. <laughs> probably in Hollywood has it. Yeah. You know, I, this is the most random question we got. So I'm going to ask it to you. And you already mentioned the movie it takes to, I can't believe we got a question about, this is an Olsen twins movie for those who don't remember. Yeah. Um, You're 29 to 31. This is your movie. (laughs) This was the movie you watched over and over on the DVD player. Yeah. My, (laughs) My kids right now, you know, this is an example of shows, you know, decades later, somehow you know being discovered my kids maybe about a month or two ago started becoming obsessed with full house so they are like living through the olsen twins and the whole thing like now it's insane how old are your kids uh they are six and ten 
Oh, it's perfect. It's, it is. But yeah. it's weird for me because, I mean, yeah. you know, it's like time repeating itself, history repeating itself 30 yeah. years later. This is still on my TV. It's crazy. Oh, and it's and it's not fun. It's well, probably the way that it was for like when I was a kid, and we watched "I Love Lucy," which was what my mom would would have watched years before. So probably, yeah, probably similarly. Yeah, the the greats. That's the greats so fun. That's so fun. Yeah, <laughs> the way sweet girls they were. They were sweet girls. Was there a question about it takes two or just there was, they, uh, Danielle Baguette? I will call her out by name because she included it. She wants to know if you actually got gum in your hair. <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> I, I know. And she's not the only person to ask that question. So what we did, because I, I, the, the hair that we use later on for the wig, because mm. we did make a wig, was the bottom of my hair. So my hair was much longer and they cut it off for Clarice. And then they made a wig out of it for Clarice after the gum. And what they also did was they actually put a fall in my hair. You know what a fall is? It's like a collection of hair and they clipped it in. And so, yes, there was gum in my hair, but it was on a very special piece because gum is very difficult to remove, as you yes. well know. You know, you know what a funny side story on that? Uh, is that my little girl, I don't know if I told you this last time. Did I tell you about what happened to my little girl when we went to the premiere? No. Um, my little girl took her best friend and I think they were maybe four and a half at the time, maybe, oh, five. They just turned five. And when Mary Kate and Ashley put gum in mommy's hair, they flipped out and they started screaming and crying in the movie theater because those little twins were so mean to mommy. <laughs> they were so upset they wanted to leave the movie theater because mommy got her pretty hair all messed up. There's something hilarious about the Olsen twins at that point being like the evil ones. They're the so heels. Yeah, so naughty, so naughty. <laughs> they were such sweet girls. So he has a great time shooting that movie. And did you know that at that time, they, the director, Andy Tennant, who has gone on to make mega movies, all sorts of lovely things, he had overheard them talking about how much they were getting paid. Do you know this story? <laughs> so sweet. Like, how much do you think we're getting paid for this movie? <laughs> and they were, what, eight years old at the time, I think? Mm. And so we said, well, last time we got paid $4.50. Do you think we'll get $4.60 this time? <laughs> oh, man. And they hadn't seen the article in the paper that they were at that time, like were worth like $80 million or <laughs> the whole thing. So, you know, these eight-year-olds, the parents had done a really, really good job of protecting them from all of that. So they could just play and get their allowance. Yeah. $4.50 was a lot of money for those little eight-year-olds. <laughs> That's hilarious. Isn't that the sweetest thing? I just, yeah. I love it when parents are are thoughtful that way with, you know, that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that story too. What a revelation for them later in life. <laughs> yeah, like, wow. I guess that's a little bit more than the $4.50 I thought I was getting. I was getting 20 whole bucks by the time we finished that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, Dad, can we get part-time jobs? Um, <laughs> sit down, kids. <laughs> we can yeah. have a talk. Yeah. <laughs> right. You don't need that drive-through job at McDonald's. Yeah. Um, and we're going to tell you why. <laughs> they were sweet kids, man. They were really sweet. I, the last time I saw them, I 
again, was in a wash of hormones and I just was, I guess I had Violet and mm. they really wanted to come on the friend set. And I saw them out at Warner Brothers say, like, Jane, you're here. Oh, can we go in? Like, oh, honey, you can't. It's high security. I mean, I had no idea how big they were. Yeah. I'm so sorry, honey. High security. Like, these are Olsen twins. They were like the goddesses of their time. I know. They ruled the town. You, you got yourself on some sort of a blacklist probably that yeah. day. Yeah. I never talked to them again. That was it. Oh, <laughs> like, no. I mean, I mean, really, I should have just tried because – I mean, there's so many things you do when you're in your hormones. And I was I was nice. I was like, oh, honey, I just super high security. I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> Come on, Jane, for goodness sakes. Uh, <laughs> These are actors. You can you could ask first. I could have done <laughs> They're okay. They're okay. They'll be okay. I think, I think they probably met the friends since then. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't need me. Oh my goodness. Well, okay. So we got our, we got our, it takes two question in. That was yeah. like a quota apparently. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, well, this is, this is probably the most redundant question we're going to have. Uh, Monique Smith wants to know for when, you know, when you gave birth on friends, when you gave birth to Ben, were you channeling anything for your performance? I think we've kind of covered that. You were constantly channeling something for constantly. basically every aspect of your career. It's true. Uh, every, and you know what? And every of those, like that one with the breast milk, the one with the birth, um, yeah. it, those were hugely emotional for me. And yes, I was absolutely channeling and, and we were, all of us awash with tears. It was very emotional pushing that baby out, <laughs> especially with Johnny Silverman, you know, delivering the baby. It right. was really crazy. You know, when you do that, I guess I don't remember what we talked. I should have probably reviewed our last interview, but when you do that, that kind of episode, that kind of uh, that particular storyline, you are in front of an audience of 200 some odd people. Yeah. And it was right next to the apartment set, straight out from the audience, stirrups up, <laughs> right in front of the audience, and nothing but a, a hospital gown and maybe some tights. Um, but yeah, it was, <laughs> I was, yeah, I was just like, get in the character, no one can see, it's okay. Yeah, I was, wow. that was very, it was very moving even then. I, it was all so fresh in my, in my brain. And Does the, um, does the the presence of the live audience, you know, when you're really focused and you're really channeling everything and ready to go for it, does that presence kind of still act as a distraction or is there a way where it kind of enhances the moment for you? Yeah, it, not a distraction. It's really an interesting bit of alchemy when you're doing live theater and, and sitcoms that are shot in front of a live audience because – Literally, you are creating a universe with that audience. And it's it's almost as if the, the audience is some kind of other kind of character. I think even in the Friends reunion, I think that they spoke of this, how – oh, I remember Marta was speaking of that, wasn't she, when she was saying how they didn't really think about, that they would go on with the, with the, with Chandler and, and Monica until the audience went, ooh, or was it all excited by this? It's completely true that there's this there's this presence out there that that informs you a little bit more. Yes, we're completely focused on what we want to do. We're feeling all of this, and yet there's this 
extra special little juice that you're co-creating together. It's a very hard thing to describe, but it is a glorious pocket to be in if you can land your jokes or move your audience right there with you. It's it's really amazing. It's I highly recommend like acting to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's absolutely terrifying, though. I will say, your, your adrenaline's going, your heart's beating. Well, I mean, most of us. Um, it's terrifying. It's comedy. I mean, when I was in theater, yeah. UCLA, we all wanted to be dramatic, very dramatic actors and be taken seriously. And, you know, sitcom, I, I went from, you know, to soap opera and I was very, it was very dramatic. Um, and I got onto a sitcom like, whoa, this is hard. This is the hardest thing ever. Who knew that this was harder than being dramatic? Or I could cry, no problem, but make people laugh or find the rhythm or listen to the joke. It became music. And I hadn't. I hadn't been raised in a family that was super funny the way that my former husband's family is super duper funny. Yeah. I wasn't around that. So I loved learning this new language of comedy. And again, so, so blessed by the incredible mentorship of every producer and writer and director and a cast. Jimmy Burroughs, my goodness, mm. that man can mine gold. And, I don't know. He's, he really helped me a lot too. I, I remember a story somebody said about him where he was walking, you know, like the, like a typical thing he would be able to do is just kind of walk along where the cameras are and just kind of instinctively like move like in the angle of where the camera was focused without really even looking, but just oh, having that wow. sense of, you know, getting the shot that was needed to improve just, you know, what, what they were getting out of it. Just almost like a, I don't even know, like a telepathic sort of understanding of what was going on. Just he could feel it. You know, that's really interesting. Do you remember who said that? I don't. It um, was not me, but I really appreciate that. And that would not at all surprise me. He is, he's a the, truly one of the best comic directors of, of, of many. And he gave me such sage advice. And I feel like, I could. I wish that I had been able to have him direct me more. There, I've had a lot of really good directors, but he gave some phenomenal acting advice to me. Yeah. Um, he was talking about Jerry Burns from Dear John. Do you remember that sitcom years sure. ago? And Judd he talked. Yeah, Judd Hirsch was the lead. That's right. Mm -hmm. And is, is it is it Jerry Burns or is it Jerry Burns? Is that how you pronounce his name? Um. I'm, I'm trying to picture who that was. It's, he was the slimy character. He was okay. the, he's slyball. Anyway, uh, he was talking about how he said, Sib, you gotta have some, you gotta have some business. You gotta have some business when you walk into a room. Okay. I go, oh, what, 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 what do I do? He said, Well, let me just give you an example. And he said, you know, like Jerry Burns, when he walked into audition, he he told his entire story by before he even said a line, mm. he unwrapped a stick of gum. And he put it on his tongue and he rolled it up. And it was like, that's the character. He was slimy. He was like, I'm going to smack my gum. It wasn't just had the way he was smacking his gum, but it was the way he curled it up. He made it so specific that he it told a whole universe in just that one motion. So if you're on a Jimmy Burrow set, you can see other actors finding that little magic. And certainly friends did that all the time. I mean, I see David, I mean, I don't, and I, I'm sure 
that everybody on the show it, it was sprung from, from this this kind of comedy <laughs> that that could do that kind of business. Yeah. It was brilliant. Jimmy Burroughs, man, you know what he did with that Friends cast before they started, right? You heard the story, didn't you? The Vegas thing. That's the a Vegas pretty famous thing. story, yeah. So great. It's just brilliant. Just brilliant. <laughs> Everybody should go to Vegas before they do a show. <laughs> All right. And uh, <laughs> for those who didn't hear the story, the you know, the legend is that before it's the they truth, started yeah. filming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone is. the truth, yes. <laughs> Everyone has kind of uh, confirmed this, but yeah, he sent them, he chartered a plane, NBC chartered a plane or whatever, and just sent the whole cast to hang out in Vegas just to like bond and just boom, they were and a unit. And play poker together. Yep. Yeah. And they didn't charter it. They own it. Warner Brothers has mm -hmm. its own flight. They have their own corporate jets. So it's very, okay. it's their groovy little Lear jets and, nice. um, and they were, it was exact. <laughs> you know, again, that's the right way to do it. Get your cast to like one another. And Courtney, again, you know, was instrumental in all of that too, of like, let's all work together. Let's make this great together. She's brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. How everybody should do this in every job, anywhere, not just if you're an actor. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. We should I, really get together on like, how can we make this the best for all of us? No, I mean, more specific. I think any job, you get your team mm -hmm. together, yeah. you uh, fly them to Vegas. I just think that should be mandatory. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go play some poker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so Abby Walker, this was really nice. Um, she wrote... Uh, not necessarily a question, but as a bisexual, I appreciate uh, Jane's character. Mm -hmm. I feel like the fact that friends had a same-sex couple in a lesbian wedding was so cool, kind of ahead of its time. I started watching Friends around the time my parents got divorced and my mom started dating her current wife. Seeing a same-sex couple in such a normal way in a TV show helped me. I always accepted my mom. I just worried about classmates and their opinions. And I wonder if she received any backlash, meaning you. And But I want to thank her for playing that role because I needed to see that and see it not being a big issue. So it wasn't necessarily what you guys did, but the context that, and not to say it wasn't a big issue out in the media, as you talked about, but in the show itself, um, you guys were part of, you know, providing an image of normalcy for people that really did benefit from seeing that. So yeah, that's pretty so, cool. That's Abby Walker. Yes. Thank you for that, Abby. I really, really appreciate that. And I take that to my heart. I re I did receive backlash within my own family. Um, I did receive backlash with my old church, uh, but um, it, it all came around, you know, and I, I think that I did tell this story the last time I was on the show that my dad used to have Bible study at eight o'clock on Thursday nights so that none of his friends could watch the show and mm -hmm. he wouldn't have to deal with that. And it wasn't that he was vocally upset with me, like this woman who said I was going to burn in hell. Um, <laughs> you know, like, come on, you know, really. But my dad just couldn't deal with that. And so when my godfather finally sent him an article talking about the positive impact the show was having and how much it was helping people. My dad relaxed and he realized it was actually a pretty good thing. And so we actually came to have peace before he passed over. Um, so it was, that was a good thing. And in terms of what the pe other people I've met in the world who have expressed something similarly, I'm really grateful to be able to hear those stories. It, 
you know, it's Jen and Jess and I have always said that we wish that we could do a lot more. We didn't expect to be, um, you know, to be in this, this role for a long time, or we didn't, I certainly didn't expect any, you know, any, uh, we didn't expect backlash. We didn't expect any, any extra support, but we were, we really wish that, um, that we had been able to move, move that marker before a little, little, a uh, little further down the line, as we talked about before, yeah. you know, there's, there's so many people that have been, uh, crushed by not being able to come out, not being able to live their love and live their truth. And I really, really pray that everybody finds their allies and their advocates so that they can live their truest love and their truest purpose um, for being. So my heart goes out to you. And we've had, you know, people say that they, because of watching friends with their family, they were able to come out to their family or, um, and, you know, did you hear that story how I'd received a, an award on behalf of a man of an organization for gay uh, gay parents with with children? And he had said that if he had had Carol and Susan as role models when he was a child, he wouldn't have tried to commit suicide so many times. Mm-hmm. He was wow. grateful that his children had role models like Susan and Carol so that they knew that everything was going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So... I'm, you know, grateful for little stories like that. There are, there are many, and I, I tell that one a lot just because it's, it's really moving and touching for me yeah. to know that, um, that there's been, you know, there's it's been impact in a way, and, you know, they never set out to make a, a very special episode about it. It was just was it. And that's what I think she was speaking to as well. It's that we didn't play gay. We were just in love. And right. I think that's what we all need to come back down to is be love, be in love, do what you need to do, be in love. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. Um, and by the way, I know we're keeping you forever, so we're going to try and bust through a few more of these. Oh, if fine, you don't mind. Fine, <laughs> fine. So many, <laughs> so many. Um, and you know, let's see some some more about uh, just your career in general here. Um, what role would you say taught you the most about yourself as an actor? Wow, that's deep. <laughs> Myself as an actor. Myself as an actor, you know, well, is it about myself through my acting, or is it? Um, how much I'm an imposter in a, in a very professional no, world. <laughs> that would be that would be false information. That would be fake news. So you know, every actor, every creative, always ah, the imposter syndrome, where you like, oh, I'm not the funny one. I mean, everybody's. I don't know. Most there's a few that have great, well established ego, um, but many <laughs> of us don't. Um, taught me the most, you know, I, I would say there was one part, uh, it, it wouldn't, I don't know if it taught me the, the most as an actor. My, one of my first parts was on Santa Barbara, the soap opera. That was also a nighttime show when it was on in Europe and particularly France. Mm-hmm. And I had to do this monologue. You know, when I was raised as a child, uh, we were not allowed to talk back to our parents. We were not allowed to raise our voice. We weren't allowed to swear. I would get my mouth washed out with soap if I even said, shut up. So it was very, very conservative family. And I um, remember a monologue that I had to give to my um, 
my mother on the show, Lenore Kasdorf. Mm. And it was, I was yelling at her. Mm. I'd never done this before. And after it was all done, I burst into tears. And she said, and, and so Eleanor just took me in her arms and I just shook. And it's not like I carried all this rage for my mother, but I had never, ever been allowed to express myself that way. And I just, I just cried and cried and cried. And she held me and then she said, I think it's time for you to have a therapist. <laughs> and, and she was right. So that just taught me a lot about as a person, because I'd gone through so much, because it was all, ta- you know, it was, it was mostly a substitution for, you know, my challenge with my own dad. But um, that taught me about as a person, now as an actor. Mm. Gosh, you know, I think when it's maybe, I feel like it was something I did recently. But I want to go back to a Quantum Leap episode that I did. I played Diane Frost, the bounty hunter, on this old beautiful series called Quantum Leap on the second season, I think. And I had so much fun playing that character. It was funny and silly and again scott bakula and his entire crew were incredibly fun to work with so that that taught me a little bit Hmm. was it um you know this is kind of a a sideways question from that but once you broke out of that you know i'd imagine you had a bit of a run of playing like you said sort of the bitchy character yeah was it did it feel good to do something different Oh yeah, it always feels good to do something different. I mean, it's it's delicious to play a bitchy, mean character. You know, it's a lot of fun. I just that's why I said I I exercised all of my bitchiness out of me <laughs> um, with all those roles so I could be nice when I came home. <laughs> I was really mean on some oh. of these shows. It was brutal. Yeah, you know, I actually did play you know, sweeter characters in between, but nobody saw, saw mm. those. Those are the many pilots that didn't get picked up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know? I mean, it's been a while. Like, like for me, like I, I would need to play like, like an a-hole, like once every 10 years or so, just to, just to keep the upkeep of yeah. continued catharsis. It's really funny. It's funny these days to, to, to uh, you know, get out there and get up for roles. I, I just, I got, I got cast on a couple of things recently and one is coming out um, soon on Lifetime, a beautiful movie called Breast Cancer Bucket List, which mm. is not my favorite title, but it's a really, really beautiful movie. And um, that's coming out soon. And I did in something. I was like, I, I think I can talk about it now. I was, it was supposed to be a big old secret because it was a really cool storyline. I was on Grey's Anatomy. I was cast to be on Grey's Anatomy. Mm. And um, at, at when we got down, I got down to LA, did the wardrobe fitting, and then they did realize that their script was 10 minutes long. And so I was oh. cut out entirely. And I'm oh, so sad. Man. It was really fun. It was a really fun character. So I'm getting the opportunity now to play my age. Obviously, I look my age. I'm, you know, I with respect to all of my friends who are who are getting enhancements. I am the girl who is not getting enhancements and it makes it a little bit challenging to be out there in the world again and, um, you know, play the grandma. So, you know, my hair is getting darker cause I'm getting older and everything else is moving cause I'm getting older and I just, I'm doing my best to be going forward gracefully, but it does look very strange when you see me on camera because like, wait a second. How could she be 58 years old and she be 58 years old? And she looks like she's 30, you know, <laughs> right? But I mean, there, our standard of, of um, what we see on camera these days has changed so much that it's made it, I've been in a strange bubble of like, what the heck do we do with Sibit now? Yeah. So 
Anyway, well, here we are. There's a lot. Hey, there's lots. There's lots out there. And, uh, <laughs> I, well, or not. I just keep doing my other stuff. So okay. <laughs> it's all good. I understand. It's. I've always felt that if I get cast, it's so I'm supposed to be cast. And if I don't get cast, mm. I'm not supposed to be. I, I truly believe in the divine hand and all of every single thing that I've done. It's all been a one big blessing. Now, Do I you just... think, you know, I'm not, I'm going to make this the final question okay. because I think this kind of affects everything we talked about. Do you feel like that kind of thinking, like that belief has helped you keep a level head throughout your career? Because nobody thinks like that. Everyone is panicking every day about getting that next gig. And I mean, you're able to stay a little more calm, cool and collected, right? When you think like that. Well, there, there can be panic about like how the, you know, how are you going to pay your bills? I mean, for sure. It's not like mm -hmm. people don't think about that kind of stuff. I understand that. I, um, but I, my son is an actor, a young actor. He just landed a really lovely part in a new movie. Mm -hmm. And the thing I said to him when he wanted to do it, when he was much younger, I said, babe, you got to be super tough to be able to be in this business because you really have to be like a duck. It all has to just roll off your back. Yeah. If you get cast, it's it's you're the perfect person. If you don't get cast, you're still the perfect person. You're just not the perfect person for that part. That you know, it could be that you look like somebody's you know ex. It could be you know that you they don't like the sound of your voice, and it has nothing to do with anything that you can control. So yeah. just give it up to the divine and just know that when it's time, if it's time, if it's supposed to be for your best and highest good, then you will get it. So it's not that I haven't worked with, you know, crazy people out there in the world where like, this is definitely not my best and highest good, but it is the honing edge. My, he's the angel of learning. I will never work with such a jerk again. <laughs> that kind of thing. Which is very rare. I've only had a couple of those situations. I've That's been greatly blessed. So. so just leave it all to destiny and always be pregnant. Those are the two rules. <laughs> really hard for me now that I'm in menopause. <laughs> I don't know. Dang it. No wonder. If only I could get, maybe I could, no. <laughs> I, the pregnant pause. Hmm. I don't feel equipped to even respond. I just. It's <laughs> <laughs> so brilliant. Maybe I can just be pregnant with great ideas. There you go. You're emotionally pregnant. That I am Mentally so pregnant. emotionally pregnant. <laughs> we just have to decide if I'm like at the end, like overdue. <laughs> <laughs> waddling around <laughs> get this baby out <laughs> i love delivering my babies now i have to deliver some beautiful ideas i'm so grateful for this part of my life too you know, yeah. i That's what awesome. a what a cool life i've uh lived and i'm i'm grateful that you are, are even interested in knowing anything about me so thank oh. you thank you all of your sweet people that have asked these questions i really it's nice I live under a rock most of the time. So it's nice to come out to, to a friendly voice and face like yours. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Likewise. Likewise. And bef before we go, you know, living under a rock as you are, um, is there anything that you have coming up? I know it's a weird time and a weird year and a weird era, so to speak. But is there anything, you know, even in the other side of your life that you have coming up Um or just your social media, whatever. How do you want people to continue to follow you or connect with you if you, in fact, 
do. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm on Instagram as Jane Sibbett. Um, I'm on Facebook under the Sparkling Circle. Those are ways that you can reach me. My Instagram again is is humble and it doesn't have a blue dot on it because for some reason they don't they're not sure I'm real. <laughs> I guess I'm a real little girl. I probably Olsen twins. Oh, they, that's they... right. Mary Kate and Ashley own Instagram, don't that's they? Right. <laughs> They're still not forgiving me for the friends thing. Um, yeah, Instagram. And then I do have that Lifetime movie coming out. I have a, a book that I'm polishing right now. So that'll be coming out soon. And I have some other really beautiful projects that are just waiting to be birthed. And, and you'll <laughs> potentially you'll potentially be giving people updates on your social media about I, these absolutely. things. Yes, all of them, uh, everything, and and as as much as I am not on social media all the time, I am almost to like once a day on Instagram. So you can always find the latest there. Excellent. And Excellent. we could post this here, there, if we can. Can we post this there? Maybe. Maybe we could certainly post a link to it. Sure. Okay, that's what we want to do. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. um, Jane, thank you. So much for everything. Again, I feel like, you know, talking to you is like more than an interview. It's more than a conversation. It's like. It's a cocktail party. It's good for the soul. Oh, <laughs> honey. Thank you. And, you know, and, and people, if they want to know what the other side of me, janesdancinghands.com, because that's where a lot of interesting things are happening too in the evolution. So, yeah, they could find me there too. Absolutely. So, yes. So, and speaking of soul. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks to everyone. Thanks for emailing, tweeting, posting, messaging, and most of all, downloading and listening. Thanks, guys. And uh, we're going to see everyone next time here on the Laugh Track. Thank you. Bye, Jane. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, thank you again and again and again for joining us on the Laugh Track. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate you following us and sharing and spreading the word. And we want to keep the ball rolling. The Laugh Track, of course, produced by me, Jerry Strauss, with additional major league production by our maestro, Steve Prentice, our friend who does all the heavy lifting here on this show. And of course, if you want to hear more of our show, Make sure you check out our website. LaughTrackPod.com is your one-stop shop for episodes old and new, as well as our free mailing list and links to all of our social media and many of the outlets where you can hear the show. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We are on Google. We're everywhere, man, and you can be too. So make sure you subscribe wherever you'd like so we, you can get the latest episodes as soon as they are released each and every week. Of course, social media, we're all over it, man. Instagram, we have an account that you can and should follow at Laugh Track Pod. Twitter, follow us there at Laugh Track TV. And of course, our Facebook group is growing and popping off, if you will. Is that what the kids say? You can check us out there and please join us at facebook.com backslash groups backslash laugh track pod until next week i'm jerry strauss for steve prentice this is the laugh track